Uh, hey everyone, my name is Lisa Pulliam, founder of More To Be, and I'm excited that you guys are joining in for our very first Coffee With Coaches, which we're super excited for. I've got three of our coaches uh, with us today who are going to answer some of your questions and we'll introduce them in just a bit. So um, just a little introduction to why we're doing this. So I am the founder of More To Be, and I've been a life coach since I think it's 2011. Uh, and I've been training coaches since 2012. And one of the things in the, these years of running more to be is that I see a lot of need for women to connect and get support and be seen and heard and encouraged. And I can't meet all those needs as much as I want to. And then I have these women who I get to know through the coach training course who have a passion to serve and have women be seen and heard and supported. And so after years, literally years of praying, uh, God's like, bring them together. <laughs> like, this is not that hard. You can bring them together. And so in January of this year, I launched the Coaches Network, uh, opening an invitation to my trained coaches to come alongside and serve the women that come through more to be with their coaching gifts. And we are having a blast. Are we not having a blast like growing together? There's, there's 12 women that are part of the Coaches Network, and it has been super fun and one of the ideas was why don't we just get everybody together and start serving you so we want to serve you each month with these coffee with coaches by answering your real questions uh, we know that many of you are in situations logistically financially where you can't you know make that commitment to book a coaching appointment so this is a way that we can bless you and give you resources and insights so today our theme for our very first one is strategies to avoid burnout and enjoy everyday life. And I have a little teaching, about a 10 minute teaching that I'm gonna bring you the word. And then we're gonna have our three coaches here answer three of the questions that were submitted in your registration. Um, if we don't get to answer your question, uh, somehow, some way we will, we will follow up. If we don't answer it this time, we might answer it next time. And you could just, circle back around and say, Lise, can you help me on this? And we'll see what we can do, okay? So uh, we're also doing giveaways. Everybody likes a giveaway, right? So we are giving away a coaching session and we are giving away coffees, uh, a coffee gift card, since I can't like physically bring it to you. I'd like to, but I can't. So you'll have to check your email after the session's over and you will find out if you won. So be sure to check your email for that. Okay. So next, um, I want to introduce you to the three gals who are with us today. This is just some of the coaches that you'll find at More To Be. Jennifer, would you go ahead and introduce yourself? Good morning. Can you hear me just fine? Yep. Okay, good. Loud and clear. Good. My name is Jennifer Booth, and I work with women who are overwhelmed and they are tired of wasting time. And I do this by helping them to assess what's not working well in their lives and then lead them through a process of discovering their priorities and then developing a plan to help them manage their time, their home, and their possessions in a more effective way. I love it. I love it. You, you are our home organization guru. And yes. I, take, I take notes from you. That's awesome. I'm glad you're here, Jennifer. Carly, would you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yep. Can you hear me? Yep. Loud and clear. Okay. Hi guys, I'm Carly and I work with people who are going through difficult circumstances like divorce or parenting special needs children by helping them figure out practical next steps um, as well as just how to find hope and joy in those difficult circumstances. So those are some things that I've been through and I just have a heart for 
people going through that. It's tough stuff. Yeah. Well, we're so glad, Carly. You definitely, I'm sure, will connect with women who are going through tough stuff, right? It's part of our life. And, yeah. and you have hope. I, in the time I've gotten to know you, I see your hope. And so that's really, really great. Hey, Carrie. Uh, so will you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hey, everybody. I'm Carrie Barney, and I help women who are struggling with stress and anxiety uh, mm. find brand new hope in their lives so that they can boldly pursue their purpose and calling. That is awesome. And anxiety seems to be the, a thing. Like we're going to address that today because that is uh, more and more on the rise. And what I love about it is it's not uh, a taboo thing anymore. We can talk about it and we can find, find help and hope. So Carrie, I'm glad. I'm really glad that you're going to speak to that today. All right. So let's um, move on um, into the, the topic. I'm so excited about the word that God has prepared for me to give you guys today. And so I've got some slides because some of you might be visual learners. Uh, and so we're going to talk about strategies to avoid, avoid burnout and enjoy everyday life. Uh, and it might seem like a lofty promise, but I really do think that we can move out of burnout and into the life that God designed for us to lead that can be much more hopeful and joy-filled uh, than we maybe have tasted. And I know this for myself because I'd say a year and a half ago, I was in a season of deep, deep burnout and uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do, where I was, would go. And I, I, I wasn't leading well. I wasn't uh, being a great wife or a great mom. I, I wasn't being a great friend because I was on my way to burnout. Uh, and what is burnout? So I love this definition that I found, being completely consumed and thus no longer aflame. So I don't know if you've ever felt this way, like you are that candle that has been completely burnt, the wick won't light anymore because it's consumed by the wax and you're just done. Uh, and so if that is you, there, that's normal, like that happens in our life, but we don't have to stay there. And what is, you know, one thing to really know is, well, what is burnout? Uh, and how do you know if that describes you right now? Um, so burnout, according to psychology today, is a state of emotional, mental, and often physical exhaustion brought on by prolonged or repeated stress. It's not simply a result of working long hours. It could be a byproduct of that. But, but it can be more than that. So you can be a mom who's burnt out. You can be a a wife, uh, a coworker, a ministry leader, uh, an author, a speaker, an accountant, whatever it is, like you can experience burnout uh, when the stress remains at this constant, constant state. I thought this was interesting. Some of the symptoms of burnout include headaches, mental and physical fatigue, heartburn, gastrointestinal issues, depression, self-doubt, social isolation, feeling empty, increased potential uh, for alcohol, drug, or food misuse. So when I was really cruising for my major burnout crisis, I would say my often expression is, I just want to go on an island far away. Or I, you know, I'm just going to go make coffee for a living. Because the, the day in, day out of my work was fatiguing. And, and that is because, not because the work was too hard, but because I wasn't doing what God says to do to take care of ourselves. Uh, it might've looked like it on the outside, but I've come to discover that I was not doing it on the inside. So what does that look like to enjoy everyday life? And, and really it, it starts with rest. Uh, and so 
nobody's allowed to sign off right now and be like, don't tell me to rest. Like, do you know how much I have to do? I understand. So I'm going to give you kind of a simple process to, to figure this out. Um, and I'll say this, my, my concept of rest has been informed by the scriptures as of late. And, and particularly, um, I began reading Peter Scazzaro's Emotionally Healthy Leadership uh, back in the like early summer of 2019. And I've since read Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. I'm reading Emotionally Healthy Woman. You could say I'm binging on, on these books. But in Emotionally Healthy leadership, he talks about workaholism. And if you've been around the more to be parts for a while, you know, I've confessed I am a workaholic. And so what I was experiencing was burnout because I just didn't know how to stop. I didn't know how to cease the striving. And since the summer, I have been practicing Sabbath, uh, which you'll see on the more to be Facebook page from 6 p.m. Saturday to 6 p.m. Sunday, I sign off. And I won't respond and I won't post uh, and, and you'll have to wait until 6 p.m. Sunday night to hear from me again. And I'm also building Sabbath practices into my personal life, like reading and napping. And, and I'm pretty excited about what it looks like uh, and the creativity that I could bring to Sabbath, where it feels like freedom and room to breathe. And, and we have a podcast actually coming out on the end of this month on it. So I'm not going to get into that. For right now, I want to give you guys this perspective. Here's a familiar passage from Matthew, right? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lonely and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, I love looking up root words. So I looked up the Greek, and that first rest means to cause or permit one to cease from movement, labor, to recover and collect strength to give rest, refresh, to keep quiet and calm. So really God ordained the keep calm and carry on slogan, uh, patient and expectant. And the second rest is an intermission, a cessation of any motion, business or labor, rest, recreation. So this idea that come to me, Jesus said, come to me with the burden, the weariness, and I will give you refreshment and I will give you permission to pause to take a holy pause and to cease striving with that, that work. And you know, really, God gave us that illustration uh, in, in Genesis, where he said he created in six days, he ceased his work in creation for the seventh day and rested and declared it holy and went on to describe that that is uh, our opportunity to celebrate Sabbath in our lives to this gift, it's a command I'm going to go on a rabbit trail, so I'll stop there. So here's another perspective. Not only does God tell us that he will give us rest, and it comes from him, but he also tells us to sit down. And I don't know if you've ever seen this before. This was fresh to, the, to me from the Lord. So in Matthew 14, it's the feeding of the 5,000 and then the feeding of the 4,000. And it says, bring them to me, here to me. This is what Jesus says. Then he commanded the crowds to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fishes and looking up to heaven, he blessed them. He broke the loaves, gave them to his disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds. I just sat there with this and I thought, imagine the crowds and Jesus commanded them to sit down like butt on the grass and the peace that must have come over the crowd, the hush, the attention, 
you know, I, I imagine a teacher passing out papers in a classroom and all the students are standing up and the chaos. But when they sit down and they're at their desk and their eyes are focused on their teacher and their hands are open and ready to receive, what that must have been like with Jesus as he was preparing to feed these people that he had compassion on. And as they were sitting down, he was demonstrating the blessing that was to come. He took it, he broke it, he, he blessed it, then he broke it, and then he distributed it. So what does it look like for us to sit down, hand over to God that thing that we don't know what to do with, that overwhelm, let him pour out his blessing through the breaking, and then receive what he has to offer us. And so, oh yes, don't forget the episodes on Sabbath coming up. So I want to offer you this sit-down challenge as a solution to avoid burnout as the main strategy. And, and the idea is take two minutes every hour, maybe you start with one minute every hour, and just sit. Do nothing. Not sitting, scrolling. Not sitting, thinking. Not sitting, doing. Just sit for two minutes every hour. And then could you do that also 10 minutes once a day? Do nothing for 10 minutes once a day. And then 30 minutes once a week, and then 60 minutes once a month. Could you do this? Could you do the sit down challenge with me? Because this is something I'm gonna, I'm gonna do. Uh, that I don't like sitting and not being productive. And I'm going to fight that by doing the opposite, which is the sit down challenge. And then I wanna conclude with this portion because this is what Jesus promised. He promises satisfaction. So everyone ate and was satisfied. And he promises leftovers, which is amazing. They picked up 12 baskets full of leftover pieces. So, you know, where we come to him burdened, he promises us rest. We respond with a sit down and he says, hand it to me. He takes it, our lives, blesses it in the breaking, which is the changing, right? And in return, we receive satisfaction and leftover pieces. And the leftovers is what gets poured out on the people that we desperately are trying to serve, which is the reason why we don't sit down in the first place, right? And so the idea is they don't need more of me, whoever your they is, they need more of Jesus's leftovers and not more of me. And so what would that look like? Uh, and so we're just, you know, just putting it out there, just putting it out there that this is a difficult thing to do, but you know, here, I see a question right there. Can we read for pleasure in that time that I'm not going to be legalistic on this. You need to seek the Lord on that and, and Pam and see, see what God has for you. For me, I'm going to try sitting and doing nothing. I will close my eyes and I will talk with him. I, mean, I might sing, which I make a joyful noise, but I want, I want to clear my head and my heart of everyone and everything but Jesus and receive in my resting what he promises. Uh, so that, that would be, I know this is like a major challenge. You'll have to say if you're in. Okay, so I don't want to take too much more time on that. What I want to do is really deal with uh, your Q&As. And so I am going to invite uh, uh, Carly is going to be the first to join me. Um, in answering a question, and I'm going to leave the screen share on right now. Do you guys feel comfortable seeing Carly? Do you want, do you need a bigger picture of Carly? Because this is as big as I can get. <laughs> uh, 
so Carly, the question that was asked, I thought you would be perfect at answering. Like when this came in, I was like, this is Carly's question. What advice do you have for a single mama of a toddler coming out of an abusive relationship? How would you? Yeah, so to the mom, a single mom of a toddler who's just out of a, a difficult abusive relationship, first of all, I just wanna say I'm sorry. I mean, that's a really, really tough spot to be in and I've been there and it's, um, it's hard. And I also wanna say that um, I know that if you've been through that, you must be a really strong person and especially if you've gotten out of it, um, that takes a lot of strength and um, that same strength is gonna carry you through these next years with your toddler and you're a lot stronger than you think you are. Um, I've got a couple questions for you to consider. One of them would be, what do you know about the grief cycle? So um, take a look at the grief cycle and kind of figuring out maybe where you are, where your child is on the grief cycle can help you because I don't think we always acknowledge in our culture what a trauma that divorce is, especially coming out of an abusive relationship. It's very traumatic. And so um, kind of looking into that can be really helpful knowing where you're at. Um, another question would be, um, what are you basing your identity on? So where are you getting that from? Um, are you basing it on the things that your ex-spouse was saying about you? Or are you basing it on what God says about you? Um, and just exploring that can help you um, kind of get your feet back underneath you. Um, and a third question would be, um, exploring what your values are. So I think, if you can solidify what your values are, um, it's going to help you as you make kind of some really tough decisions moving forward. Uh, it also is going to help you as you um, figure out how to parent because now you're parenting on your own and you get to make all the decisions about what life's going to look like and what kind of parent you're going to be. And so solidifying for yourself who you are, what your values are, when you get to those tough parenting decisions, you're going to have a better handle on on what you want to do and what you want it to look like so. oh carly you hit it out of the park i mean those are great questions uh to consider and and with real explanation as to why it's important to consider those things um so one thing that we're going to do for all you guys who are like hanging on with us here uh, we're going to save any comments or additional questions for the end so that each of the coaches who are answering a particular question that was asked, we can, we can address that. But one thing I wanna point out is that the reason Carly uh, put the, the advice in the form of questions is because one of the things that we stick to really tightly in coaching is believing that God has the answer, right? And it's not us that has the answer. And if we give advice, the, the risk is then when it doesn't work out, it's the coach's fault or it's you know, Carly's fault. Like Carly tells me to do A, B, and C, but that didn't work out. And so now I'm gonna have somebody to blame. And so what we love to do in our coaching sessions or even in situations like this when we're, when we're teaching and, and conveying information is to help you see the kind of questions that you can consider really in a prayerful way before the Lord and ask him to answer that because the Holy Spirit has promised to be our guide and our counselor. And so when we get stuck, right, and can't find the answer, that's where having somebody else to talk to, to kind of pull and prod and encourage along the way becomes very helpful. So, so Carly, like in addition to uh, coaching, what are some other ways that this particular mama 
can find somebody to talk to that, that maybe you experienced when you were going through this? Um, yeah, I, I had a counselor. I saw a counselor a little bit. Um, I also had a good friend who was kind of, you know, my person I could say anything I wanted to say to, which good. was really helpful. Good, good. That's good to know. And so that's something we advocate for is to mm -hmm. connect with a therapist. And, and yep. the best place to start really is you can go to your doctor and ask for a referral. You can go to your church and ask for a referral. Focus mm -hmm. on the Family website has a list of therapists that you can connect with. Uh, so finding support is just absolutely key, yep. especially when there's trauma. Mm -hmm. Good. Okay. So uh, Jennifer, we want you to come on now. And the question that we have for you uh, is, how can I respond in a positive and encouraging way to my preteen son? And so I picked you to answer this question because you've, you've raised a boy, right? And so I have. Yeah. And um, the good news, he is 20 and he is still alive. <laughs> Excellent. Well done. <laughs> um, and I don't know if the question comes from a place of you're having struggles with him or maybe he's having struggles becoming mm -hmm. a preteen or it's just you want to get ahead of the game yeah, but um, either way let me just share um, my son um, was very blessed he was a pretty good kid but eighth grade year was hard both for he and my daughter um, for some reason that year just hit them both they made choices as in you know we're not going to do homework this year, <laughs> you know, yeah. like some of the things, nothing super bad, but it was just a challenging time. So I do uh, commend you for wanting to get ahead if that's what you're trying to do, or um, if you are kind of just in the throes of it, trying to figure out what's going on. And I can say a lot of prayer <laughs> helped mm. and perspective and pulling, pulling back as in perspective, like not trying to manage the nitty-gritty of everything mm -hmm. um, but I want to do um, like Carly did and just pose a few questions for you to think about because um, you know this is the beginning of time where he is becoming his own person mm. he is getting information from everywhere I mean even more so than when my son was there just you know seven years ago uh, technology, social media is so much more prevalent than it was even seven years ago and has the potential to do a lot of damage. So um, this is a great time just to um, reassess your relationship with him mm. and as you're ready, getting him ready to launch in just a few years, um, it's ask yourself, you know, and begin to observe him and figure out what it is that he likes to do that you mm -hmm. can be involved with, that you can support and you can encourage. This is such a great time for their giftings to start coming out. Like you can see, maybe they are great writers in school and you want to encourage that, or they're really good. You can tell they're a good friend to people and, mm -hmm. you know, just whatever you can find that you can encourage on a regular basis would be um, one thing I would suggest. So um, just look around and see see what he likes to do and what, what are things that he is good at doing. And then another question I would say is what is his love language? And I don't mean you have to go through the love language for children course. Again, it's all observation. Um, you may notice that he's recalling at your, you know, hugs, or uh. won't let you kiss him on the cheek anymore. Or, you know, you drop him off at school and he's like, whew, 
out the door. <laughs> but he responds to the encouraging words, or he responds if you surprise him with a small gift of something that he really likes. Or you may find that he just wants to spend one-on-one -on -one time with you, especially if you have other children. Mm. Giving him that one-on-one -on -one time may be what he needs. So again, observe and see how he reacts to you in, in different ways that you interact with him and um, try to do more of where he responds yeah. in a positive way. And then one last thing um, I would suggest is just figuring out how you can foster more time with him or more time as a family. I know that helped our family out a lot was family dinners. Um, we couldn't have them every night of the week, but most nights of the week. And our kids responded favorably to that. They would open up about their day. We, um, we have debated politics. We've debated religion, how you should live your life. Um, yeah, mm. the time around the table is such an important thing. So, you know, ask yourself how you can foster more family time. Maybe for you, if y'all are a busy family, it may need to be some other, yeah, some other way. But um, I just think the more that you are together, the more opportunities you have to interact and communicate, the better it's going to be over the long haul. Mm, good stuff. And actually, everything you said applies to parenting boys or girls. Yes, yes. Yeah. This has worked both ways. And as yeah. I said, my, I don't know, my son was not the typical boy. I mean, he's not rough and tumble, was not wild mm -hmm. I mean, at any stage of his life. He's always yeah. been a little man and now he's a big man. <laughs> he's the most generous, kind. I'm not going to go on because I'll start crying, but the Lord has really turned out a great um, young man in him. And all those years, the little petty things that I worried about. I mean, now that I look back, I'm like, that was so petty for me to have to worry about. Yeah. Um, yeah. All, all are, you know, redeemed and into what yeah. he's become now and is still becoming. I mean, he's only 20. He has a long way to go still. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But it's good to know. It's good to hear your perspective. Yeah. And I appreciated what you said about meals because I hate to cook. And the, in this, like, of, you know, dealing with my burnout and figuring out how to build rest into my life, um, the Lord has really given me a, a desire homeward. And the byproduct of that has been preparing meals. Mm -hmm. And so, but, but I start small, Wednesdays. I promised a home-cooked meal on Wednesdays. <laughs> and, you know, lo and behold, this week, it was Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, because, you know, I, I set my expectation low and, and then I could accomplish that and then build on that and build on that. And it's less overwhelming now, six months later than it was. Uh, and what I see is what you said, when they walk in the door and there's food that I, it, it smells like I'm cooking, mm -hmm. um, even if I'm doing a half homemade meal, <laughs> sitting at the table brings connection. Uh, and, and, you know, we're not new to the idea that eating a meal together matters. Uh, yes. God designed it. He said, break bread together, right? Yes. Um, In fact, our school, the kids' school that they, well, where my son went, my daughter is still there. They have adopted the Harkness method of instruction, which is sitting around a table wow. versus sitting at desk to interact more, even in math classes. Um, I mean, they've taken it. 
And I said, well, we've been Harkness-ing since we <laughs> brought that, you know, but it, I can tell it has made my children more confident also. I mean, not just at school, but because we've done it at home and yeah. they feel more confident in what they believe and what they're willing to discuss and what they're willing to share. So, so good. Thanks, Jennifer. We'll bring you back on if there's more questions with that later. Um, Carrie, jump on in. We've got a heavy question for you. Super heavy, but, but so real. Uh, what do you do when you feel like you are going through the valley of dry bones? Yeah, this is one I think um, I especially empathize with. I've been going through a season of dry bones myself for probably the last two years. Mm -hmm. And so I can really empathize with this question. And I'm truly, truly um, sorry that you're going through this situation right now. Um, and I love the verbiage of this question, you know, mm. going through the valley of dry bones and mm. in preparation and answering this question, I, I went back to Ezekiel 37, yeah. which talks about the valley of dry bones. And, um, you know, this is, this really is, is a good summary of, of how we feel when we're in that valley in Ezekiel 37, 11, it says our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Oh. And that's exactly how it feels to be in that valley. We mm -hmm. feel like we're dry. We're absolutely parched. There's no hope. And we feel that we're cut off. Our perspective is limited and we're, you know, our focus is limited because we're in the midst and we're down in that valley. And it's yeah. so hard to see you know, any hope for our situation. Mm -hmm. But I want to say that there is hope in the midst of the valley. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I'm gonna use this as, as kind of a visual, but I also need them so that I can actually see what I'm talking about. Okay. But it just takes a little change in perspective and we need to change our limited narrow focus and put on our kingdom glasses in order to see the oh, hope God. that we have in the midst of that valley. So um, three questions that I really want to pose uh, for you to really change your perspective while you're in the valley. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to actually grab these questions right from within Ezekiel 37 itself. Um, mm, I'm taking notes. Ezekiel 37, one and two says, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley and behold, they were very dry. Mm. So the first question I want to ask you, the Lord was with Ezekiel mm. in the midst of the valley. So what evidence do you have, if you change your perspective, that the Lord has been with you in the midst of your valley? Mm. The second question I have for you, and I'm going to pop over to another scripture, um, which we all are familiar with from Psalm 23, 4, during David's time in the valley. Yeah. And David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So again, that shows that the Lord is with us in the midst of that valley. Mm. But one thing we don't need to do while we're in the valley is stay there. Yeah. Though I walk through. So we don't need to just sit among those scattered bones. Mm. We need to be continually walking with the Lord 
through the valley. So the question I have for you is, um, as you pray, what is the Holy Spirit showing you is your next best step? Mm. What is your next step mm -hmm. through the valley? Mm -hmm. And when we're in the valley, that's often all we can do is mm -hmm. take one foot and put it in front of the other and just in faith, follow the Lord through the valley. Mm. So what is your next best step to get through that valley? And then the third question I have for you, and this is the exciting part. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophecy to the breath, prophecy, mm. son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. The Lord uses our valley experiences to recreate us and transform us to be more like Christ. So what is he doing in you and through you to recreate and transform you to be more in the image of Christ? Mm. And then finally, just as a bonus question. Yes, like bonuses. <laughs> good, good. Is that the Lord uses our valley experiences to transform us, but also to use our story for his glory. Yes. So how can the Lord use this valley experience, not only to transform you more into the image of Christ, but for his glory? How does he want to use you to help others with your story? Oh my word, Carrie, preach. <laughs> so good so good I'm sure everybody who's listening is like yes I need that I mean I love the way you took the scriptures and modeled for us the application and how God's word is so significant in how we process our emotions I mean I, I, I talk about it all the time that we the start of transformation is experiencing a fresh encounter with God and his word because the word challenges us to think differently. And that's what you've done. You, you, you went to the word and said, okay, so how can you process this differently? How can you have a mindset shift? Because you and I and this gal can't change her circumstances, right? And so we're all going to end up in a valley at some point and you've just laid out a beautiful way to think of it differently. And I, I love that. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. So, um, I'm so glad we've got plenty of time that we're going to be able to take some questions because it's, I'm looking at my phone here for the time. It's 1235. I want to go ahead and answer one question. So uh, Carrie, if you want to, oh, she already popped off there as I looked down. So um, I could come back. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. You could, yeah, you, you can stay. Actually um, bring, bring uh, Jen and um, Carly come back on. So as we field questions, uh, we can do that. And maybe if you guys want to scroll through the chats to see if there's any question there that you want to respond to, if you guys had any comments for them. And then as we do that, um, I'm going to answer this question. This is such a throwback to when I used to host ETC at, with the teenagers at the boarding school. This is like the same format. I didn't even realize like a teaching, a Q&A, and then taking more questions, but I would do it on index cards with, and we would go back and forth like we were playing cards answering the questions. So funny how the Lord just does full circle things. Um, so the question that came in was, how do you combat compassion fatigue? 
And this is a, a pretty um, easy question for me to answer because I've struggled with this. Um, I'm super sensitive. And so when I hear or see of somebody's struggle, somebody walking in the valley of dry bones, I couldn't take that. I can completely take that on. And as a coach, that was something I had to figure out how I was going to manage because I work with women who are, are moving through difficult situations. How am I not going to carry this with me? So I think going back to that kind of principle of, well, Jesus said, give us the burdens, give him the burdens. So, so my question, um, my first question would be, if you are struggling with compassion fatigue, uh, what are you doing with the, the heaviness that you feel, the heartache? Um, are you carrying it yourself? Are you bringing it to the Lord? And if that is a struggle to bring it to the Lord, um, who can you ask to kind of guide you in that process? Because sometimes things can be very theoretical, but if physically it doesn't make sense. So is there a mentor at church that you can get with? Um, is this situation uh, of compassion fatigue because you've been uh, you know, hit multiple times with multiple situations and you're worn down by the the uh, frequency of it or are you worn down because of the magnitude of it and do you need to connect with the therapist to to get some relief so that would be one thing another question i would ask yourself is where am i being exposed to all these things that bring about compassion fatigue is it happening within your church is it happening in your work in your ministry or uh, because of social media. So like, I personally can't scroll Facebook, but a couple times a week, because I, I mean, I feel like it's the combination of obituaries and, you know, health crises that are on my wall. And if I continue to pay attention to all of that stuff in these 2000 people that I don't actually have direct contact with and can't actually do anything about, but pray for them, I am, it will fatigue me to the point that I'm not useful in the relationships with the people I'm in who I am supposed to be walking in compassion with them. So I would just kind of look at how you're spending your time and what you're exposing yourself to and evaluate whether or not um, that habit has to change. And then if that feels like an addiction, if social media is an addiction, which it is because of the dopamine hit, uh, what, what checks and balances can you put into place to manage that addiction? So that, those would be my questions for that. Okay, um, are there any questions that, or comments that Carrie or Carly stepped aside for a minute, Jennifer, that you guys want to respond to? I mean, I'm gonna scroll here for a second. Um, I don't see any particular questions that I haven't actually addressed. So is there anything that you guys wanna add or respond to each other about that you heard said that really kind of struck you, putting you on the spot here. Hey, Elisa. Yeah. I did get a question from someone. Okay, good. Okay, so she says, I feel the Lord entering me into a different phase of my life. Mm. How do I seek God's counseling or counsel regarding my work, my role in my church and my role at home? Also, how do I pray specifically for my children to return to the Lord and my husband to recommit his life back to Christ? Heavy. Those are heavy. Okay. Why don't we, um, 
I'm going to make a little note. We're going to answer those in two parts. So kind of the prodigal, prodigal prayer. Um, and then uh, seeking the Lord for counsel. Um, I'll go ahead with the prodigal prayer one. Um, and then do one of you guys want to take the kind of how you go about seeking the Lord for counsel? Maybe you could do it more like mentor than, than coach what your process looks like when you're not sure about the next step. Anybody want to raise their hand on that one? Carrie. Okay, good. Carrie will. Um, and let me just keep an eye on the time. Good. So the prodigal question, I mean, sister, that's just, that's just the hardest thing. I, I'm walking uh, through that with a number of clients and friends who, you know, they pour their life into this child or, you know, made a commitment in their marriage and they thought they were all heading on the same direction. And then at some point, somebody in the family went in a new, a new way. And it's like, what do you do? How, how do you respond to that? Um, so I think uh, the first thing to ask yourself is how do you perceive your responsibility in their faith commitments compared to what God's responsibility is in their faith commitments? Because I think there's this natural progression, like these children are born and we're, we're entrusted with their livelihood. We have to make sure they have everything they need, food, water, you know, shelter, clothing. At some point, our ability to provide and control for them gets removed as they are grown and flown, right? And so they start making their own decisions and their own choices, and the control is gone. But I don't feel like there's ever a moment in which that becomes really black and white clear. It sort of just happens, and then what do you do? Because the role you've played no longer is the same role. And so uh, seeking the Lord on how your role can look different in their life at this season in their life uh, as, as they navigate their faith out on their own. I mean, so the best example I have of that for my personal life is that when we were at the boarding school, I was intensely mentoring uh, four girls and then it whittled down to three and they were coming over to my house every week for a cup of coffee. Uh, and, and Bible study. And at the end of that school year, three of them showed up on my back door, bawling their eyes out that they had just gotten majorly in trouble. They broke like three different rules and they were suspended for a week and they came to confess to me. And I thought, I have completely and utterly failed as a mentor. Like you had exclusive rights to me all year and this is what you choose to do with your time. Like, I can't even believe it. I felt like a public failure. I felt like a private failure. I was totally dejected. And I said to them, this is God's mercy that you are caught because now you'll recognize the value of consequence and you can make a different choice. Well, a week later, two of those three girls are on my back porch crying again that they're now expelled. And I went from like bad to worse in my feelings. Like I have all the years I've ever mentored somebody, I never had a student that I poured into expelled. And uh, both of these girls, uh, both these these girls, they came from Bible believing, God loving, totally train up a child in the way they should go home. And so, what in the world? 
And it undermined my confidence as a mom because I looked at these women, I thought, if they can't even set these kids straight, then what good am I going to be setting my own kids straight? And my oldest at the time was in sixth grade. Well, the next um, day I'm sitting with the Lord, my Bible open, I'm just crying out to him. I'm like, God, I've failed as a mentor. These mamas have failed. What's the point? Like, forget it. No good, very bad day. And he whispered to my heart, least I have not asked you to be their life insurance policy. I've not asked you to control their behavior. I've not asked you to prevent hard in their life. I've asked you to reflect my love to them. And my love comes in both forgiveness and grace and consequence and mercy and faithfulness and kindness and rebuke and all the attributes of God. And he said, stop trying to be God in their life and allow me to work in you so that they see God in you. And that was a pivotal shift for me of trying to provide parenting and, you know, even relationship with my husband in such a way to guarantee an outcome and instead releasing that responsibility to just be present with my people, whoever they may be. And you know, it's easy to have this conversation because a decade later, uh, one of those two girls absolutely loves the Lord and is walking completely obediently, glorifying him in every regard. And I could see that what you see in one small moment can change over the long haul. And, and that God is asking us to be faithful to him when we can't control other people's behavior. So that's the long version to that answer on the fly. Uh, Carrie, would you go ahead and share your thoughts on seeking the Lord and what that looks like? Um, transition. It's so hard, especially when we're looking at a change in career, you know, our kids are growing up. And so we're transitioning in our stages in motherhood, you know, from going from itty bitties to school age kids to teenagers. Um, and not only that, but tra transitioning in, you know, ministry and, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do now? Um, and so trying to exactly see what it is the Lord wants you to do during that time can be kind of tough. Um, but it's an, an exciting time too, because it's full of possibilities. It's almost like you're getting a do-over pass. Um, you're like, woo, okay, what, what's next? Um, and so the, the best thing to do is, um, obviously seek the Lord, but have the Lord um, and ask the Lord to reveal to you, okay, how did you create me? Let, what are my gifts and talents? What are my spiritual gifts? What is my education and background? What are, are my experiences? And how do you want to bring all of those things together in this time for this moment um, mm -hmm. to pursue your purpose and calling for me right now? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us get caught up when we talk about, you know, what is our purpose and why in the Lord, in the world, does the Lord have me on this green earth anyway? Um, and we get stuck in that, oh my gosh, I have like one big job and if I miss it, I'm going to blow it. No. Mm -hmm. First and foremost, our, our primary job is to love the Lord, the, our God, with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul and all our strength. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is to love our neighbor as ourselves. Yep. So if we pursue those two things daily, loving God and loving people, then we're, we're fulfilling our purpose in that moment, regardless of the season that we're in. And if we're obedient in those two things, then he'll pull back the layers and show you again, your next best step. 
in, in, in that season. Yeah. Good. Good. It makes me think um, the one of the resources that I'm going to email about is the Align resource. And so much of what you've said uh, can walk with a woman through that process of identifying those gifts, those talents, their people, their places, and, and get that kind of perspective from the Lord. So, so good. So, so good. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to uh, answer. There was another question that came in, which it dovetails on this um, question about, you know, seasons and transitions. The question is, how do you know coaching is your calling? Uh, and can you tell us more about the coaching and the course you offer? So I'll do that just for a second here. So the coach training is um, a 10 week online course, it has about two to three hours of homework a week. It's about one hour um, for class time that happens just in this format. And you learn everything you need to know to launch a coaching practice and to coach people. It's like learning a foreign language, right? <laughs> a new way of speaking, a new way of thinking. And by doing so, you can grow personally. So I'm sure you guys can attest to this. Like there was more transformation going on inside of me during the coach training than there was um, actually, like I just didn't anticipate that that was gonna happen. So if you're interested in the coach training certification, everything you need to know about the course is found at moretobe.com slash life-coach-training. And then this question about how do you know coaching is your calling? So I, I go back to what Carrie said, actually. Our calling is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, and love our neighbors as ourselves. That's our calling. Um, and I've done, um, maybe I'll put a link, I'll put a link in the email that I'm going to follow up about on how to discern your calling and this word kaleo. Uh, and klesis, which are Greek words, and klesis means to embrace the divine, the divine, how does it go? Divine invitation to embrace the salvation of God. And so that's our calling. We're to embrace what God has given us through Jesus Christ, no matter where we are and who we're doing it with. Is coaching something you can enjoy doing as a career or as a ministry? That's a different question. Uh, and that's really, are you uh, somebody who likes to help people get unstuck? Are you somebody who uh, people often come to for support and encouragement? Are you interested in having, you know, an entrepreneurial life where you have to show up at work because you choose to and um, get the things done because the buck stops with you? I mean, there's a lot that goes into whether or not uh, coaching as a career is a good fit. And, and certainly you can drop me an email and we can set up a consultation session to talk about that, to figure out if that is the right next step for you. Um, I think with everybody that I've brought through the coach training course, it is um, always a transition from what they're doing into what they're doing as a coach. And often their coaching career is happening at the same time that their other responsibilities are, are happening. And then there's a fade out into the, the full-time work as a coach. So that answers those questions. Um, so if you want to be coached, just a shout out to our coaches. You can find all of our coaches in the coach directory at more to be are so grateful you joined us today. And if you're watching the recording and you have questions for us, don't hesitate to email me. Best way is more at more to be.com or message us through the more to be.com website and find us on 
want to be on Facebook, find me on Instagram. I'm not there too much, but I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. See y'all next time. <laughs>